So what word can Jesus say to you that would change your very life? Let's find out. Over the last, I don't know, 40 or 50 years, I've studied the Gospel of John pretty intensely over the last 30. And for all of you who have been a part of my Gospel of John Bible studies, how long was our last study, by the way, on John? About 96 weeks, I guess? Okay. And uh, we spent about three weeks on this passage right here that I've just read you because it's really worthy of that because there's so much in here, so much that we can celebrate in this passage, not just on Easter Sunday, but every day of our life. You can read this passage probably 365 times, and you will glean something out of it. The Holy Spirit will illuminate your heart and mind to see something different every day, I promise you. Uh, So let's start from the beginning. In the Gospel of John, it's really cool that of all the Gospels, Here in this gospel in particular, there are more personal encounters with Jesus than anywhere else in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. These individual encounters are very, very powerful. And this one is just like that. In this particular case, it's between Mary, Magdalene, and Jesus. Now, what do we know about Mary Magdalene? In the other Gospels, there are other women that are coming to the tomb. Remember, in Judaism, they believed that on the third day, the the spirit would ascend to, or or descend to Sheol. And so this is going to be the last time that they would be able to be in the very presence of Jesus, so to speak. And in the other Gospels, there's all these other different women. But notice what happens in the Gospel of John. I I don't think it's by accident is that Mary Magdalene is the first person to go to the tomb on that Easter morning. Notice what John says, verse 1. He says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark. Now, that's not, a, uh, not necessarily a disposition of where the sun is in the sky. It's telling us that there is darkness There is still darkness upon the world, just as it was present between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. when Jesus was crucified. So here is a hint about what's going on. And I think the word dark here really is a disposition of Mary. Mary Magdalene, notice that Mary Magdalene, it's not Mary, son of Clopas, right? It's not Mary... uh, Uh, daughter of Bob. It's not uh, Mary, um, husband of of Brad. It's just Mary Magdalene. We don't know if she's been divorced. We don't know what her her life is, uh, but it seems to be that she is one that has been redeemed by Jesus. In fact, we read this in Scripture that she has been liberated of seven demons, a lot, and that changed her life. But now, and one more thing. I think that Mary Magdalene is a nickname, like Simon Peter, Peter the Rock, the Sons of Thunder. I think Mary Magdalene is a nickname. She comes from a small fishing village to the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. 
Magdal or Magdala means tower in Hebrew. And I think that Jesus has given her the name Strong Tower, Mary the Strong Tower. Maybe not because of the way she is now, but by who, she'll, who she will become later on. Jesus can see that. That in the midst of all that's going on right now, she bears a proper name. And in the New Testament, that's a powerful thing. She is going to be someone beyond she even imagined because of the master, because of her teacher. But now I'm wondering if she is feeling like, can this get any worse? She's been present. She has been present when Jesus was preaching and teaching, doing uh, the miracles. Uh, she has been present maybe at the, the arrest of Jesus when he's taken before Annas and Pilate. We know that uh, she has been, uh, she must have heard the rocks and stones themselves cry out, just as Jesus had said, if the people are silent, then the rocks and stones themselves would sing out. That earthquake was that cry. She saw the sun as it just, it, it seemed like the sun was hiding its face so the darkness, that light would not penetrate and the darkness was covering the earth. She saw Jesus being staked between heaven and earth. She saw Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea taking Jesus off the cross and placing him in a, a borrowed tomb. Can this get any worse? She's carrying her burial spices. She's going there to do the, the final preparation for the departure of the Spirit. She goes there in darkness, in heart, in spirit, as well as disposition of the sun and the sky. She goes and she goes and sees an empty tomb. The stone is flicked away. The guards are gone. The evidence tape is gone. Can it get any worse? She looks in and sees nothing. Now she runs back and tells the disciples there's been a grave robbing. And so you know the rest. Peter and John have a foot race. They all look in of their own accord. And then they, bewildered, they just, they go back to their homes. Meanwhile, Mary is weeping at the tomb. Notice when John says something that he wants to emphasize, he says it three times. The word is weeping. She stood there weeping at the tomb. Can this get any worse? Can this get any worse? I think the word is catastrophize. Is, is, that, a, is that a word, you think? It's a catastrophe. You know, how many times you said, well, can it get any worse? That's the way our disposition is. But guess what? What if what she thinks is bad is really good? What if something incredible has happened and she doesn't yet realize it? She looks in and has this little debate between the angels. Hey, if he's... Where is my master? Where have you laid him? And then behind him, behind her, is someone that has just come up upon her and presuming that he's the gardener. Can I, let me take a little shortcut here. You know, there's three, there's three gardens in the Bible. It really is the whole, uh, really great way to look at the Bible. The first garden is the one we got kicked out of. Remember that one? 
The second garden is the one that we're talking about now, and then the third one is the where we're going. You see, the Bible ends in a garden. The Bible ends in a garden and begins in one, and right in the center is Jesus. For Mary, who thinks that he's the gardener. Where have you put him? Where have you put him? And what word that Jesus said says to us can change our lives? Say your name. Would you do that for me? Just say your name right now. You don't sound very convinced. Say it again. Well, that word was Mary. That word was Mary. Satan thought that the empty tomb or the tomb itself was an exclamation point. He had won. It's almost as he's telling all creation, move along now, nothing to see here, nothing to see here. Oh, it's just Jesus. He's there. He ain't going anywhere. I win. The greatest surprise of anyone at Easter is Satan. That's the April Fool's joke. That's the April Fool's joke for Satan. And all heaven rejoices at the fact that Jesus walked out of that tomb. But here's the thing. Amidst all the hate, the violence, all of the corruption, all of the injustice, all the lack of mercy, with one word, Mary's life is turned around. In John chapter 10, verse 4, we read that the sheep know the shepherd and the sheep know his voice. So the gardener really is a shepherd, right? The gardener is a shepherd. And the question I have for you this morning is, has Jesus called your name? First of all, have you been listening for it? It's a soft, still voice that's almost unrecognizable, but it is definite when you hear it. Does that make sense? That when Jesus calls your name, you know it. When Jesus calls your name, your life will be changed. Your life will be changed where now you have to turn around and do something. You have to hug the light. You have to hug Jesus. Notice in verse 1, it was dark, and now Mary of Magdala is wrapping her arms around light that really couldn't be dispensed or squelched or snuffed out. That was a place of comfort for Mary now to know that everything that Jesus had said was true and she didn't want to let Jesus go. I've got a little dog by the name of Noel. Noel is a Shih Tzu. She weighs about seven pounds, but she has a Napoleonic complex. When she'll go out and bark at the biggest dog in the neighborhood while we're walking, but when the big dog barks, She'll do something I call the prairie dog thing. She'll get up on her back legs and do this in front of me. That means pick me up quick. <laughs> pick me up quick. And, and what it really means is that she's shaking now out of fear because this big dog's got to call this little dog's bluff. And when I wrap my arms around her, she instantly just quiets down. It's the same effect of during the storms when I was growing up, being able to crawl in my grandfather's lap and have his arms go around me. You see, Mary wanted to embrace, embrace Jesus. And, and then, because that was a place of comfort. And my beloved, when 
he says something amazing to Mary. Now go, don't hold on to me because I ain't done yet. But I want you to go back to the disciples. And I want you to hear this too, Mary of Magdala, the strong tower. I want you to hear this. Uh, I'm going to ascend to my father and to your father. I'm going to ascend to my God and your God. You hear that? See, there it is. That's the beginning of something brand new, and it's called redemption, of taking something so horrible and making it into something divinely good for all of us. And resurrection makes all things new, all things new in your life. All you have to do is listen for Jesus, for him to call your voice, but also realize that you can call upon him as well. You see, this gardener is also shepherd. This shepherd is also Lord. This shepherd is also Savior. An empty tomb proves that our Savior lives in Mary's life and in our life too. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Amen.